Uh, but I want to preach tonight about what is the importance of Christian fellowship. You know, what is the importance of Christian fellowship? And as I alluded to a little bit this morning, we have a little, uh, we have different people have different opinions as to what uh, fellowship would mean. And we will get into uh, during the course of time. Uh, that side of fellowship, which is part uh, of uh, being uh, in a local church. But we have in this uh, text, uh, in the breaking of bread, both a, uh, a proof text for the communion part of that, uh, but also in the fellowship part of it. And we'll, we'll look at some, even uh, not early church fathers, but some historians and things that uh, kind of went back and, uh, and taught about what those uh, mean as well. But we're going to start by reading our text verse, but then we're going to go uh, quickly over to James chapter number 4. So you can remain seated, Acts chapter number 2, in verse number 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Heavenly Father, I pray again that you bless the message tonight. Just thank you for the testimonies that people have shared. Uh, it's encouraging to see how God works in the hearts of our church, individuals as a whole. And, uh, and I just thank you for uh, your many blessings. Uh, bless us tonight, please, in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, in order to understand the, the importance of Christian fellowship, I think uh, it's first important to understand what Christian fellowship isn't. Uh, and uh, in order to be able to, uh, to, to understand it fully. And, and so the word uh, in Acts uh, chapter number 2 and verse number 42 uh, that our uh, English translators translated into English from Greek, uh, they translated it fellowship. Uh, and in the New Testament, uh, the meaning is essentially a, a, a partnership or uh, to the mutual benefit uh, of those involved. So Christ, it's Christian fellowship is a uh, mutually beneficial relationship between Christians. Uh, and uh, we can't have that kind of relationship with somebody that is outside of the faith. Uh, so fellowship is distinctly different uh, in many ways from what we would say friendship is uh, or even relationship. And one of the biggest blessings uh, of being part of a local New Testament church uh, is this aspect of fellowship. We won't get into it because I'm going to save time tonight, but um, God promises in His Word blessings for our obedience to Him here as we serve and we live for Him. And part of that is that He says that we'll have um, homes and houses. And, and it doesn't mean that you're going to have, you know, uh, your house and a lake house and, you know, a house over here, one in the Cayman Islands or something. Uh, but as Christians, uh, in, and I will preach on the distinction between the local church and the body of Christ, the family of God, the household of faith, uh, as part of the messages in these series of messages. Uh, but uh, we're blessed to be able to have brothers and sisters uh, in all across, you know, the world. Like, we're going to go to Croatia, and we have uh, uh, brothers and sisters of Christ there, some that we know, uh, but others that we'll meet for the very first time. But we can leave America and travel across the world and go to a church in, in a European country uh, that um, will embrace us uh, in, in a unified way uh, because of what we believe, uh, and we have that basis of fellowship. Um, I don't have relationship. I don't even have friendship uh, with uh, the members of those churches over there. 
but we have fellowship uh, in Christ. But in James chapter number 4, I want to read one verse there and explain three of the words that are in there uh, and then touch briefly on some passages that deal uh, with this idea of fellowship uh, in uh, God's Word. In James 4, in verse number 4, it says this, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, that's a very straightforward verse, and we kick it around a lot as Christians, and uh, we can uh, really get bogged down in uh, what the world is or worldliness. It's, it's more clear than people put on. But uh, the word friendship here uh, simply means the state of being inclined to help or support something, all right? Especially not being antagonistic or hostile. All right, let me read that again. That word friendship is defined, the sense in the scriptures in James 4 uh, means it's the state of being inclined to help or support something. So when the Bible says if we're a friend of the world, it means that we support, uh, we're inclined to help or support, but then has the sense that we're not, you say, well, I don't support the world. And we can say it's the worldly system or the worldly philosophy and uh, worldliness as a whole. Uh, and we can, we can lump in there uh, everything from, uh, from Marxism, socialism, uh, you know, even you know, some things with capitalism and, or being an American and what we believe in our freedoms and how we do all that. Uh, but it's very, very easy for us uh, to become friends with the world. Uh, when we when we support it or help it, you say, "Well, that's not me." But are you antagonistic or hostile toward it? Because that's what that says. So the person who is a friend of the world, a friendship means um, means the state of being inclined to help or support. And the world system uh, would mean briefly the state of uh, excuse me the the people constituting the world whose values, beliefs, and morals are in distinction and rebellion to God's. So, um, you know, we can think of, uh, you know, political uh, sides in the world uh, that, that they believe in things that are in hostility to, they're distinctive, they're in rebellion to what uh, God's word is. Like, uh, you know, I'll just throw it out there. I, it, it be, it's very hard to be a Bible-believing Christian uh, and support uh, a liberal democratic platform. Um, and it's not just obvious deal breakers like abortion and things like that, but it's just all, all, across, all across the whole, the whole thing. Uh, and, uh, and so I, as, as a pastor, you know, especially in election seasons, and you know, I, you know, I, I tell people who, who to vote for. You know, I don't care. Uh, but uh, it's, it's difficult when I get pushback in those moments from Christians who would support uh, some of the things that they support. You mean I can't be a Christian and be, you know, yeah, you can be a Christian and be a lot of things, but it's inconsistent. It's unbecoming uh, a Christian. And you'd have a difficult time, uh, you know, looking at a verse like James 4 uh, and, uh, and then reconciling that in your life as being, uh, you know, consistent with loving God and obeying God. So to be a friend of the world, uh, the world meaning the people constituting the world whose values, beliefs, and morals are, are in rebellion to God. And we'll, we'll talk about that more in, in the future. But it says, is enmity, is enmity uh, with God. 
Uh, that means they're hostile or have a hatred for or a, a deep-seated ill will towards God. So friendship with the world uh, is enmity with God. Remember God says that when we were lost, we were at enmity with Him. Uh, we were the enemy uh, of, of Jesus. So uh, when you love the world, and the Bible says we're in the world, be in the world, but not of the world. If you love the world, love the Father is not in you. And there's, there's all kinds of ways we could go, even in support of that verse. Uh, but I want you to understand that fellowship and friendship are different. And God says that friendship with the world is enmity uh, with the Lord. Turn with me to John chapter number 17. Uh, and uh, the, <clears throat> uh, the fellowship of Christians within the local church, and we'll be spending time and. Uh, in 1st, 2nd Corinthians, other places we're going to look at, um, you know, um, charity in, in chapter number 13. Uh, we'll look at it being a body fitly joined together. Being, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine uh, it will include, obviously, all of that in teachings. One of the things I cut out tonight, there was a quote, and I can't remember the quote. I've heard it. Uh, it's like, you know, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, uh, and um, in everything else, um, what is it? Charity. And everything else, charity. And that was a quote from uh, Martin Luther's BFF. Uh, and I can't remember his last name. Uh, but it's a Reformed um, uh, Protestant take on the Word of God. Uh, and part of the local church's responsibility in continuing in the Apostles' Doctrine and teaching all things um, I've challenged you and uh, brought up the question. Uh, I just really don't think there are any non-essential teachings in the Bible. Uh, so, um, but Bible-believing Christians have bought into uh, a Reformed Protestant quote that's not authoritative. Uh, the Word of God is. And they've bought into that and in, in say, you know, we need to major on majors and minor on minors. Uh, and, uh, and then have formed many, many opinions surrounding that quote uh, about what's essential and non-essential. And, uh, and I get a little bit of the sentiment in where the breakdown is, is that there are a lot of things that people say are non-essential uh, that are essential. Uh, and where there are differences in those, and there are, uh, but there's an, you know, the teaching of, let's say, uh, modesty. Is an, essential, uh, is an essential teaching doctrine in the Word of God. And by the way, it's men and women. It's not just women. Uh, men can be immodest. And, on, and, other, and sometimes it's not just our attire. It's our demeanor. <laughs> uh, uh, and and how, we, how we communicate uh, with people uh, and stuff. So men always get off the hook with that one. But my point is, is that modesty in Scripture is an essential Doctrine, it's, it's a doctrine. It's not just a preference or whatever. Uh, it is a teaching, and te- doctrine is teaching. Everybody with me? So um, where, where that quote kind of comes in uh, to, to play is we may differ on, uh, on what someone would say is modest or immodest. All right? The Bible has a lot to say about it, uh, but, uh, but we can still come to differing opinions. And in that, we have charity, we have, we have love. But to say that modesty is a non-essential doctrine in the Bible and that we shouldn't ever talk about it or, uh, or those types of things is just, it's just not true. Uh, and uh, and we'll, um, I'm not going to parse out every teaching in the Bible. It's impossible to do that in, in a calendar year. 
um, but there will be examples that we get that come up um, that are because of that quote uh, that I will bring in. So, um, the, being a part of a local church uh, and teaching all things uh, is really uh, at the crux of our continued theme. But it's a it's a privilege. It's a mystery and a privilege uh, that Christian fellowship exists because God enabled Christian fellowship by His grace. Uh, and uh, those who believe the gospel uh, are united in the Spirit through uh, Christ to the Father. Uh, and that, is the, that unity is the basis of our fellowship, not our friendship, uh, but our fellowship. That you cannot have this kind of fellowship with the lost, uh, with, uh, with those that are in the world, uh, because they're not born again. Uh, in fact, you know, even when it comes to the Word of God, um, I say, okay, sinners act like sinners. Save sinners act like sinners. Uh, we're no longer under condemnation. Uh, but the Bible teaches in the book of Romans that, that, you know, why would somebody who's not saved be subject to the law of God? It says they can't. Neither, they, they can't be. And why would they be? Uh, because they're, they're not a believer. They're not going to go to the Bible uh, and then conform their life to a Bible if they're not born. It's hard, it's hard to get saved people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to obey the Scriptures. Uh, but, but I fully uh, you know, understand why somebody who is not a believer uh, lives in disobedience. They're in sin. They're, they're, they're a sinner in sin. They, they do those things, and, and it shouldn't be a surprise. But those who believe the gospel and are saved, the base, that's the basis of that fellowship. And that relationship with Christ uh, is, a, is a high priestly relationship. Uh, and here's what he says in John chapter number 17, verse number 23. Uh, speaks, he says, I in them and thou in me, that they, be may be, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them, and as thou hast loved me. So this fellowship or unity, as it's described elsewhere in the Bible, uh, it's referring to uh, a oneness. Um, there's a oneness principle all the way through the Bible. Uh, some of it has to deal with uh, soul winning. And uh, for example, uh, we support missionaries. They lead somebody to Christ in Croatia. That's fruit to our account. There's a oneness principle. You may not go out on soul winning, but because you're part of this church body, uh, when somebody gets led to Christ, uh, that's fruit to your account. Because there's a oneness there. The ideal and the goal is that everybody becomes soul winners and, uh, and uh, leads people to Christ, uh, like what was testified here a little bit ago. And so there's a oneness uh, that Christians experience in true fellowship that you, you, you do not have and cannot have um, outside uh, of what God has designed in a local church. So you'll find out in, in due time as we preach about these things that I really think the church is important. Uh, and uh, for you know, all the reasons, the biggest one is that God uh, ordained it and created it. And Jesus uh, gave us life for it. And so he refers to this oneness uh, as oneness with one another. Uh, it's, it's a oneness with Christ. It's one, uh, obviously, with the Father. And he's saying, just as the Father is in Jesus, so is Jesus in us. And we have unity one with another because of the uniqueness of that relationship. First um, John 1 and verse number 3 uh, says this, uh, That which we have seen and heard, 
declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So this relationship, this fellowship, uh, and it's all of it. It is friend. Bible, you know, he's a, a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So our walk with God can be described with all of those terms. Uh, but, uh, but there needs to be uh, a compartmentalizing uh, of this. Uh, you know, God, God the, the, the chemistry of separation or law of separation, uh, what fellowship has light with darkness? Uh, and we, we, God has called us out to be separate, uh, and uh, we are sanctified to do so. Uh, and it is important. God's, in God's wisdom, He warns us about, uh, you know, make, uh, make no friends with an angry man. Uh, and there are verse after verse after verse on how God wants us to temper um, our relationships, our friendship. Uh, but to be in a, if you feel that you're in, in, in fellowship in the, at the root of what that word means biblically with somebody that is an unbeliever, um, that is a dangerous place to be. And, uh, and so if, 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 whether it's a parent to a young person, they say, hey, time out. Um, we don't want you to be you know, hanging around with those people because they see a danger. Uh, and, uh, and oftentimes we're, it could be a perceived danger, uh, but that's parenting, and, uh, and it's, an, it's an important thing. But the relationship uh, with Christ is at the basis of this. We can have friendships and relationships with unbelievers, uh, but true Christian fellowship can only occur within the body of Christ and then particularly in uh, the, uh, the local church. So uh, what are we united by? Um, well, we're, we're united by common beliefs. Um, as a uh, you know, pastor of an independent fundamental Baptist church, and we have uh, our articles of faith. Uh, and by the way, you can, if you don't have those, you can see a version of them uh, on our website uh, or we have them printed for you. Uh, I don't, you know, we don't quiz you on it. Uh, we don't even ask you if uh, you necessarily know all of them. Uh, and, but, uh, but you should familiarize yourself with them. They're Christian fundamentals or articles uh, that we believe that are biblical. Uh, and, and, uh, but when you look at all of those as a whole, uh, I know that there are people that attend our church that don't agree or don't even, they don't even know um, all of the articles of faith. Uh, and, and there's belief, and just resolve that. We can't all agree on every single thing. But there's some big ticket items in those articles of faith that, uh, that you should agree with in order to unite with uh, a, with the church. Uh, so we have, we're united by common beliefs. Scripturally, we're united by common purposes. Um, I, uh, I have a gentleman that uh, sends me texts um, quite a bit and asks me questions. Like, uh, so I was getting ready for church this morning and he's like, you know, what's the, he, like, what's the decimal of uh, four, 15, 16th? And uh, does anybody know what it is? 0.9375. I'm not a math genius. I looked it up, uh, and uh, because he does, he wants me to answer these questions without looking it up. <laughs> he goes, "You're cheater reading," uh, and uh, with some of those. But then he asked me some questions about, um, you know, uh, purpose, or asked, he asked me a question about destiny. He says, "What is destiny, and how can you know it?" And I said, "Well, as a Christian, we don't really deal in destinies, uh, but in the will of God." And of course, he said, you know, that's a good answer, chief. Uh, and, uh, but, um, but we have a common purpose. Uh, 
biblically. Um, we all may do different things to earn money uh, or have different you know, um, you know, plans concerning that and, and people have different careers. Uh, but I really believe biblically that uh, people, people make money um, to live and to really provide for, in, in many ways, uh, the fulfillment of God's purpose for their life. It is absolutely the will of God for every single person in this church to live their life to glorify God. Uh, God, God lays that out very plainly in many places in the Bible. Uh, but it is the will of God for us to, um, to attend church, to serve God in some ways. He has gifted us. Uh, there, you know, it is the will of God to be baptized. You know, I say, well, you're saved. You should be baptized. Well, let me pray about it. I'll give you the answer. Yes. It, it's, a, it's obedience. We often call it the first step of obedience uh, for somebody who gets saved. Uh, and, and there are many things that God's revealed in the Word of God that are the will of God that um, I just really think if you're not faithfully pursuing and doing what the expressed will of God in the Bible is, um, I, I promise you with 100% money that God's not giving you secret messages about some, some you know, uh, private you know, will of God in some way. Um, especially if, if somebody's, and, and really it's crazy because people who talk to me about that, oftentimes they don't go to church, they don't read their Bible. If, God, if you're not reading your Bible, God's not speaking to you. And uh, so you've got to be uh, in, in the Bible uh, for that to happen. So we are united uh, scripturally. There's a fellowship around common beliefs. Uh, there's a fellowship behind common purposes and goals. Uh, it is the end of my goal for every, should be for every Bible-believing Christian to stand before God uh, and God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if that's your end in mind goal, um, you have to do things now that gets you to that end of mind goal. You, 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 can't just, you, have to, you can't just believe it, you've got to behave it. And, uh, and so just anything, when you're looking at what's your, you know, what's your you know, 10-year plan or whatever, if, if you have a plan for us as Christians, you, you have um, plans that I don't have and I have plans that you don't have, but every single one of us is going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to give an account. And we, we have to be faithful. And, we, and we've got to run our race and strive lawfully. All that God says, uh, that is a common thing that we're all unified with, that people that are not part of uh, a, 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 the body of Christ, more particularly this local church, and we look at uh, uh, that as a position. By the way, I'll explain universal church, local church, uh, and all of that uh, in these sermons. Our hearts, as Bible believers and as Christians and part of a local church, our hearts and minds are otherworldly. Um, they're not, you know, in the world, not of the world. We shouldn't have that worldliness streak in us. And whenever we find it, uh, we've got to beat it down because God says to, to, to be that way is to be, uh, it means we hate God. You say, well, you know, yeah, we just read that verse. It says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Um, so if... If somebody who loves you checks you on a worldly, uh, your worldly perspective or your worldly uh, involvement, you ought to thank God that you got somebody that says that. Because you're going down a path that doesn't make you the friend of God, it makes you the enemy of God. So friendship with the world uh, is uh, something to be uh, aware of, front of mind, all the different time. And again, 
you know, uh, there's different takes on uh, what worldliness is. If, you know, if you have a real question about it, ask somebody. Um, just say, do you think what I'm wearing is worldly? And by the way, you can, you, can ask, you can know who you can ask that question to and get the answer that you want. Uh, and, uh, but, but it's still answers that we should get. Um, do you think that uh, you know, uh, my deportment and how I handle myself, is, that, uh, is it otherworldly? Am I, uh, am I representing as an ambassador for Christ my heavenly citizenship? Uh, can, do people recognize me more for my uh, ambassadorship for Christ uh, versus my vapor of life that I'm living here in a world that, that we understand is not our home? Uh, but uh, but um, having that part of that. So we should be other-minded. John 18 and verse 36 says, My kingdom is not of this world. If, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight and I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So this world's not our home. Uh, the kingdom of God uh, is not of this world. And we need to be for what God's for and against what God uh, is against. I had a, a, a preacher uh, sent me a text yesterday, I think it was. I, it's all kind of running together. And he says, I have a, a Bible question for you. And I said, okay, go ahead. I, and, uh, and, and so he was asking really about um, uh, people who, uh, who, who were giving. He was, trying, he was having a conflict in his church about people who uh, were non-tithers or uh, givers. And he was like, uh, he, he knew the answer. Um, and the answer really is, if you love God, you keep his commandments. You follow him. And he was trying to explain to somebody that to disobey God uh, is, is unloving. It's an evidence that we don't love him. And they're just really having a hard time putting that all together. And I said, well, I even do it. I mean, there's, there are people who God hates. And he's like, you know, like, what do you mean? And I said, well, these, six, these seven things that the Lord, you know, these six things that the Lord hates, he's out of abomination. And one of those is he that soweth discord uh, among the brethren. God hates discord, but he also hates he who sows discord. And, uh, and you can look up what that word means. So God loves, God hates, and, you know, people, God doesn't hate anybody. Um, they've not read their Bible. Uh, and uh, so uh, he, he says that, you know, the, the prayers of the wicked are an abomination to him. And uh, so, so it is uh, somebody who's not saved, the Bible says, are of their father, the what? The devil. And, uh, and it would be harsh uh, to say, but it might be the right thing to say in some moments that when somebody who is lost uh, and living in sin and wickedness uh, and they say, well, I, I prayed to God and God told me this to say, you know what, you better be careful because God says your prayers are an abomination to him. And uh, that'll go over like a lead balloon. Uh, but, uh, but it is the truth and some people need to hear it. Uh, people pray to God thinking God's aunt, and he's not even hearing them. And uh, they're either vain oblations uh, or, you know, a false fire, uh, false worship. Uh, and everybody's just happy and content with doing all that. And they don't know that God actually hates it. Uh, and, uh, and so maybe like, hey, just, you know, FYI, uh, here's what the Bible says about your prayers. And you know what you ought to do? You ought to get saved and, and then witness to them. That would be a good thing to go. So the importance of true Christian fellowship is that it reinforces all these things in our mind and then focuses us on Christ. And, uh, and at 7 o'clock, so I want to start. But we, um, Christian, fellowships, or Christian fellowship, one of the aspects is to sharpen one another. 
to, to hold each other accountable. We talked about that in our theme uh, from Hebrews chapter number 10. Uh, but, but here's another verse, and um, I'm almost done. John 13, if you'll turn there. Um, this morning, as I was getting ready for church, I had this uh, children's song. Uh, this is my commandment that you love one another, that your joy may be full. And, uh, but here's what the Word of God says in John 13, 34 and 35 about that. He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, we know there's Christian love in the sense that, you know, we love people and care for them and witness them. And you can love uh, uh, people enough to help them, to be charitable uh, and, uh, and to have. I'm not saying you can't have a friendship with somebody who is, uh, is not saved. You got to be careful that you're not in partnership, fellowship, uh, unequally yoked together. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and I've, I've, I, I see that. Uh, and in one of the, um, well, we have... Uh, one of our uh, missionaries uh, that we support uh, is in a business venture uh, with, uh, with somebody who's not saved. And I said, boy, you got you know, you to be careful about that. Um, because it's not just, you know, unequally yoked isn't just when somebody gets married. All right, you can be unequally yoked on, uh, on multiple levels. So the Word of God says, we're, we are, we, people know that we love God or know that we're His disciples if we have love one to another. And um, I was thinking about yesterday uh, and people you know, participating in the, the fundraiser and giving and trying to be a blessing. And things that people say or, or like what was referenced, you know, being a blessing to somebody. Um, when, when people see that, that, sh- that is an evidence of the fact that we are His disciples. When we, when we love each other. So as the year progresses and we, we talk about fellowship in all of its varying forms within the local church, um, that is one of the ways people know that you're saved. But when you tell people like, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to, you know, I'm against organized religion and I don't go to church and, uh, and the church is full of hypocrites or whatever. I don't know what people are trying to prove with that statement. But what it is proving is that you're not a disciple. You, by the way, you can be a Christian and uh, you can be saved, not be a Christian. You can be a Christian and not be a disciple. Uh, but but we just think we're all of them. We're all of the, all of the labels, regardless of what we do, and it's just not true. So, in conclusion, fellowship uh, it means a Christ-centered mutual affection and action. Uh, it includes everything from joining uh, a church in worship to the conversations that we have, the meals we share, working together, all of the activities of Christian community, Acts chapter number 2, verse 42 and down, uh, all of that, um, all the reaching out that we do externally, that's all part of fellowship. There's a unanimity, a, unanimity, a unity that's brought by the Spirit. And uh, Matthew Henry uh, says this, uh, he said, whenever speaking of the New Testament church in Acts, he said, whenever you saw one disciple, you would see more. <laughs> uh, he said, like birds of a feather. Birds of a feather flock together. And there was a time where, and it's different, they were every, that everything common. Uh, and, and a unity that is, that is very unusual, uh, but it is a model in many respects for us to do. So we'll talk more about that uh, in South 707. So I want to stop, but we're going to have more preaching in the next uh, several weeks on the second part of Acts chapter number 242, and that is fellowship. Let's all stand tonight, and uh, we'll pray.
Uh, and as usual, we'll have a time of invitation.